We are celebrating our fourth anniversary today as Restore Church meeting together in a, in a public space, so it's, it's hard to believe it's been four years. If you're new here, um, we've been together for four years. We started, uh, we, we are a church plant. We started at our kitchen table about four and a half years ago, meeting in a living room, and uh, here we are today meeting together. Um, if you have uh, questions about Restore, about what's, what's coming up, what's going on, what's a missional community, please fill out your connection card. And you can drop those in the connection card box before you leave. And then uh, we, we are in the middle of a series called I Am. We're talking about the seven I Am statements that Jesus said about who Jesus is. We're taking a pause from that today, but we're going to continue that next Sunday. Um, my favorite month of the year is here, October. This is my favorite month of the year. I think, I mean, I'm biased, but I think this is the greatest month for a few reasons. Um, football is in full swing, both college and NFL. And like a true American, I'm going to overlook that it's the modern-day Coliseum and that it's extremely harmful to play that sport. And uh, so judge me, but I still enjoy, I still enjoy, not as much as I used to, watching football. Um, leaves are changing, all right? The, the, I love the, the leaves change. You can drive around and, and seeing all the, the yellow and the, and the burnt orange and the red leaves. Uh, Major League Baseball playoffs are in, in, the, in the thick, we're in the thick of that. There were four playoff games on Friday. I, don't, I didn't get very much done on Friday because there were so, much, uh, so, much, uh, so many games to look at. The Cubs, Chicago Cubs fan, they're 2-0 right now in the playoffs. So um, they are, I mean, they're Jesus' favorite baseball team. Other than that, it's, you know, I like them. Um, and it's, you know, the last day of this month is filled with an enormous amount of candy eating. I mean, is that not the greatest way to end a month? Like, let's pig out on chocolate and candy, and it's okay. And everybody's just giving it out. It's just everywhere you look. I think that's a great way to end the month. And then also, um, I have to say this, uh, my, my youngest son's birthday is tomorrow. It's in October. So I, I have to, a dad has to say that, or it's like dad fail. I posted that on Facebook recently and forgot to mention that it's my son was born in October. And then also, our church started meeting regularly in October. So we celebrate that four years today. So it's my favorite month of the year for a number of reasons. And we have the kids in the service today, and every kid loves talking to a microphone. So we're going to have a little spontaneous audience interaction here. Uh, kids, I want you to come up and talk to the microphone, and I want you to tell us, tell everybody in here, what's your favorite time of year and why? Anybody want to come up and share? Oh, Will, come on up. All right. Oh, I know you're coming, man. All right, come on, Noah. You come first. You're closer. What's your favorite time of year and why? You My birthday. <laughs> what, tell everybody when your birthday was. October 7th. Yes. So another, another reason to love October. All right, Will. Oh, you got to get on the stage. Oh, okay. Halloween. Why is your favorite? Because we have all the candy we want. <laughs> and mom and dad don't eat any of it, do they? Yes. All right, go ahead. Halloween. You want to hold it? Halloween. Why, why is Halloween your favorite? Because I get to go trick-or-treating. All right. Here, let me move this so everybody can see you guys. All right. You want to hold it? Tell everybody what um, your favorite candy. Oh. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we skipped right by the, what's it? Christmas. Ooh, why is Christmas your favorite time of year? 
Because we get the presents. All right. That is a great reason. Thinking? Ready? All right. You can hold it, Caleb, if you want. Halloween. Why is Halloween your favorite? Because we go trick-or-treating. All right. Winter. Winter, yes. Why is winter your favorite? Because you get to play in the snow. All right, yes. Last year, you got to play in the blizzard. Black Friday. Black Friday? Why is Black Friday your favorite? I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. One time. All right, Mila. Where are you going? Get no. out of here. One, is, one time. Kevin! One time. All right, Mila. Um, playing in the snow. Playing in the snow is your favorite time. Yes, that's great. All right, Tyler, you're the last one, buddy. Christmas. Why Christmas? Because it's God's birthday. Oh, that's a good way to end it. He should I should have handed him the mic so he could drop it after he said that one. Thank you, kids. Um, everybody zoned in on the last three months of the year. October, November, December. Candy and Christmas, best time of the year. All right, so... Those, I mean, I mentioned my reasons for October being my favorite. We heard from some of our, our uh, little ones this morning on what's their favorite time of year and why. And there's a, overall, though, going back to my favorite month of the year, there's one reason, major reason, that it is my favorite month of the year. Um, because of our gatherings together as a, as a church and what God has done in our church community, in our city, and continues to do. And I keep thinking of God's faithfulness, the fact that... Um, because of him, we're all sitting in here today, and, and a lot of us are in relationship with each other, and he's doing something really sacred and special. And I think about his faithfulness, and I think about the fact that that is a theme that plays out throughout the entire Bible. Um, and if you're not, you haven't been with us for a while, the way we view Scripture at Restore, uh, we, we view it as a story about Jesus. We don't view it as a rule book or manual for living. We believe it is the holy, sacred, inspired story that points us all to Jesus Christ. And we see this theme play out through scripture of God's faithfulness. At the very beginning is the book of Genesis, which talks about the beginning of uh, a humankind and the relationship with God. And when humanity rejected God in God's creation, God was faithful and reestablished the relationship. And even though human beings throughout the entire Old Testament would multiple times break that covenant relationship, God kept pursuing us. He kept coming back. He kept coming to the table. He kept pursuing our hearts. He never went away. He never forsaked us. He just kept coming. And his faithfulness continued to reestablish that connection. And then God exhibited his faithfulness by becoming one of us. You know, part of our theology is that we believe that God became one of us in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King, the Savior, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Son of Man. All these names that are used to describe him is something we celebrate, that the fact that he, and there, he is unique to our faith and our religion, the fact that no other religion teaches that or believes that, that God became one of us, that he left his throne and came here. That's how much he loved us. He gave up heaven for us, and his faithfulness was shown in that. And then even when humans turned against him and crucified him, an innocent man, he, on the cross, he forgave us, forgave humanity. He kept loving us, and his faithfulness was even seen then. And then God's love was so faithful that death couldn't even stop him. The grave could not hold him. His faithfulness even conquered that and kept coming. And his faithfulness 
launched the early church. So after we see the four biographies of Christ in the New Testament, the rest of the New Testament, we get to see the, uh, the biographies are the cause. The rest of the New Testament is the effect of Jesus' life. And we get to see these movements of people connecting with God, these churches starting, and humanity's response to this amazing faithfulness that God had for us. And it just changed the course of human history for the good. I mean, miracles happened. Uh, a completely different way of living was introduced to the world, and it, it was all due to God's faithfulness. Now, thousands of years after his life, his faithfulness continues. And we get to celebrate that today in this remnant, this expression of the church community. We call it Restore Church, but it's an, it's an expression of what Jesus started 2,000 years ago. It's a church that started because of him, because of his faithfulness. Paul wrote this letter. So Paul, he wrote uh, quite a bit of the New Testament. He was a church starter. So he was actually a guy that did not believe in Jesus and came to faith. And then because of God's faithfulness in him, he started these churches all over the place. And he wrote these letters to these churches after he had started them to encourage them, to coach them, to inspire them. This is one of the letters, part of one of the letters he wrote to the church in Corinth that he started. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians verses 4 through 9. He wrote this almost 2,000 years ago, but it still rings true uh, in Restore Church today. Here's what he writes. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God was faith faithful then. God is faithful now. And we are reminded of that from the words of, of Paul. So today we celebrate God's faithfulness over the last four, particularly the last four years of our church community. And I just... Uh, thinking about some memories. We're kind of getting to that point now. We're like, oh, we have memories. Like, we're four years old. We can actually look back at stuff and what God has done, and we get to celebrate that. So six years ago, um, some of you have heard this story before, but it started, uh, God, it was a memory of God's faithfulness along this journey that six years ago, I'm sitting in a coffee shop in my hometown in Indianapolis, and Carrie and I had this nugget of an idea that God may be telling us to start a church. And I was not really, neither... Both of us were terrified at the aspect of that, of moving somewhere and starting from scratch, not knowing anybody. But we had to ask him, like, God, do you, do you want us to plant a church? And we were fasting, we were praying, and I went to Starbucks that day because I had to get away from a refrigerator. It was too tempting. Um, and I'm sitting in there drinking water and, and praying and, and, and reading uh, the book of Acts, and this kid walks in that I haven't seen in like six or seven years. He was actually a former student of mine when I was a public school teacher in the Indianapolis area. And he sees me and he's like, he yells out my name and he comes over and he sits down and keep in mind, I haven't seen him in six years. And the first thing he says is, dude, actually he made have said, brah, brah, are you thinking about planting a church or starting a church? And I was like, what? Like, yeah. And he goes, dude, you should. And we ended up talking for a while, but I was like, whoa, that was shocking to me that it was that clear to me that was like that was my Noah's Ark all right it may not have been an ark it may not have been a burning bush but that was an answer to the prayer that Carrie and I had 
and God was faithful, and he provided an answer that day. And then a year after our church started, so I'm sitting in a meeting, and I get an email from our church accountant, and I still have a little PTSD whenever I see her email me uh, for this very reason. I knew we were tight financially a year in. I mean, such is the life of a nonprofit startup, um, particularly a religious one who is, um, from a culture's perspective, we are peddling something that no one wants, God. People don't want him for the most part, about 80, 90% of our culture. Uh, so it, it, it's a long road in, in so many different aspects. Financially is one of them. I knew we were tight financially, and in her email, she informed me, hey, we don't have any money left. We have enough to pay payroll or pay rent to the Fillmore. Which one do you want to pay? And, I mean, you talk about a punch to the gut, like, oh, my gosh. I went with payroll because um, I wanted to have groceries. But the, next, the following couple of days, I was thinking, like, what are we going to do? Like, how, how are we going to survive? Because we, we are literally up against it now. And then within, I can't remember if it was a day or two, but it was within two or three days of getting that email, a church from Kentucky emailed me and said, hey, we want to give you guys $25,000 to your church to support you guys. And it was like, Whoa. God was faithful. And he came through. And now it's a fond memory of getting that email. At the time, it was terrifying, but God was faithful. And so many of you, I, I mean, I could probably spend... 30 to 40 minutes going around the room. I don't know all of you, and I, I know some of you, some of you I know better than others, but I, look, I could look in the eyes of each of you, and I could think of a story of God's faithfulness to you and your faithfulness to him, of listening to his voice and responding and moving and, and, and doing something and, and going deeper into his kingdom. We could each, I mean, I could open up this mic, and you could each come up and probably share a story about God's faithfulness and how he just keeps coming. He meets us in those moments, the highs and the lows. And a little over two years ago, we had an idea. I have lots of ideas. But we, there was a number of people that had an idea in our church about um, finding a space in the city that would be a home base for our church and a place that we could connect with Silver Springers and serve our city. Um, financially and logistically, it seemed impossible. Because it's, I don't know if you've noticed, it's kind of expensive to live here and operate here. Retail space is uh, not cheap. Uh, so we're looking for retail space in downtown Silver Spring. We spent, we spent about six months um, looking for a place. But our idea was we wanted to, to raise enough funds to lease, to renovate, to furnish uh, a, a space in the city that we wanted to call the living room. We wanted it to feel like a giant living room in the middle of the city. Because one thing we've noticed is that when people move here, they don't have connection here. They don't have relationship or friendship. A lot of people aren't from here. And that was important to us. Like, what we need to, we're a church that's really built around community because that's how Jesus did things. And we thought if we had a place that we could use 24-7 for that type of connection and leverage it for the good of, of our kingdom and the good for, of our city, we thought that that would be pretty cool. So we started fundraising. God provided the funds. Um, six months of searching, and God provided a place. And I, I, can't, I honestly can't remember if I've shared this story uh, from here on a Sunday morning, but it's one of my favorite parts of God's, God's faithfulness. So I was kind of the searcher. Pretty much any time I drove past a for lease sign, I would stop and look, or I would call. And I was on Craigslist all the time and all of these uh, retail space websites looking for stuff. And there were two spaces that I found in downtown Silver Spring that were um, the first two that I found that were in our price range, it only took six months to find a couple spaces that were in our price range. 
and that were in our city in 20910 in downtown Silver Spring. One of them was in the base of the apartment complex, The Point, which we actually have quite a few people in here who have lived there or do live in The Point. And I'm like, oh man, that's perfect. I mean, we, have, so we already have a lot of people that live there. And then we found another space at 8241 Georgia Avenue, which is like a block and a half south uh, off of Georgia Avenue. And it was an old doctor's office. And I went to look at both spaces, and I'll be honest, I really liked the space in The Point. That was my favorite. I'm like, I think this is it. But I'm not a big, guy, big fan of hierarchical, like one person making a decision leadership, because that's not how Jesus did things. Communal leadership. Uh, Ephesians 4 talks about this. Um, so I, I called four other people who were all wired differently from each other. And I'm like, hey, can you come look at these two spaces and just see what God says to you? Uh, which may sound kind of mystical but, um, and kind of weird, but that's it, it, just how we try to roll. So they came, we scheduled an appointment with a realtor to look at both spaces, and I took this, this group of, I was one of the five, into these spaces. And I'm like, when we went into the point, I'm like, oh man, they're going to love this. And as I'm watching them walk around, I'm like, they don't like it. None of them. They're all like shaking their head, like, this isn't, you know, saying negative things. And I'm like, Ugh. internally, I'm like, ugh. Like, my first instinct was, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. This is a better space. And then we went to the other one. And they're all like, oh, yeah, they're saying all these positive things about it. And it was pretty interesting to see the four all unanimous, unanimously agree that 8241 Georgia was the better space. And I thought the point was. But I'm happy to admit I was way off. I was wrong. And God was faithful in speaking through these varying personalities to show unity and to show his will and we started negotiating um, uh, a lease with 8241 Georgia Avenue. And one, another part of his faithfulness was they told us that we were going to spend $50,000 on renovation. And we didn't have that. I'm like, we don't have 50 grand to spend on that. So I said, how about zero? <laughs> That's what I, I wrote back. I'm like, we're not going to spend any on renovation. I remember Andy was like sweating. He was like, well, we're going to lose this. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, we don't have the money. And we didn't pay anything on renovation. God was faithful through our you know, financial inflexibility and maybe a little bit of my stubbornness, we didn't have to pay anything on renovation, but God was faithful in not only pointing out the space, but providing the funds and the resources and, the, and different people, like a commer commercial real estate broker and people in our own church who are lawyers who helped us negotiate the lease. It was amazing to see his faithfulness speaking through so many different people. Now the space is open, and we just had our first event there last month, uh, we're putting together a business plan to use it by day as a co-working space. We plan on launching that later this year or at the latest January of next year. Uh, just gives us a chance to serve our city, to rub shoulders with people who never come to church on a Sunday morning. And it's, the, the wheels are in motion. And it's really cool to see what's happened in that space, the living room. And then a little over a year ago, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness in speaking through people in our church again. Um, there was a span of like, 10 days last August, September, where people were emailing me or texting me or grabbing me and saying, we got to do something about the refugee crisis. We, we can't sit here and God, God's, we, we got to let him, we got to be a part of this. We have to figure something out. We have to serve. We have to give. We have to do something. And so a few people in our church started researching organizations via their connections on Capitol Hill and looking for legitimate organizations that had been in the Middle East for a long time that we could trust and work with. We gave, our, we gave away almost $10,000 to each of those, to two organizations. And then a friend of ours, and a, a friend of a friend of a restored church member 
had coffee with me, and they worked for an organization called Servant Group, Group International, which has been in the Middle East working mainly in Iraq and Afga Afghanistan for the last 30 years or so, maybe more than that. And uh, they basically were like, hey, can you help us? I'm like, well, can, what do you need? And they're like, well, we, could, we need people. We need people to come over. And I'm like, I think we can. And then in May, we sent eight people over uh, to serve in Athens, Greece, uh, which is where most of the refugees are flooding into now. Uh, and then we're sending another group of seven people over uh, less than a month from now. In November, I'm leading a team uh, over to Athens. And to see God's faithfulness speak through so many people in our church in response to a crisis that needs a response. And while our government leaders posture and fidget and make excuses, the church is moving, is going and sending and loving unconditionally. And I'm, uh, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness of historically the church goes first and they go where no one else wants to go. And that's what I hope we continue to do is, is responding to his spirit and seeing him speak through so many people and work through so many people to become a part of this. Um, I remember when we went on the trip there, there was a, a church that we worked with, we kind of partnered with, and um, we were serving lunch there. And the refugees would come from the camps, they would walk to, from the camp to get to where they could have a hot meal, they could have a nap, um, they could have protection from the elements, a chance to maybe do some laundry. Uh, they would use some of uh, our hotel rooms to shower and it was just a place where they could be treated like a human again. And there was about 20 to 25 of them that would come for lunch. Five months later, there's over 100 people coming to that church from the camps. Uh, it's getting to the point where they can, we can't fit anymore. And it's interesting because SGI is trying to uh, find space that we can either renovate or lease uh, so we can host more and more refugees. And there's a group of people in our church who are uh, backing that through a, this big fundraiser that's coming, coming up in November. Uh, we're gonna, they're going to raise a ton of funds. Restore Church is going to obviously try to be a part of that. Um, and we're going to give all that money to SGI in this continual effort of creating more space and, and more, sa more safe environments for re refugees to come to. And it's just like the snowball of God's faithfulness in, in that is amazing. And I'm getting, it's weird, this week I was getting some emails from other churches and other pastors. Um, we're taking another pastor from a church on this next trip. Uh, people are noticing God's faithfulness through us in, in this crisis. And I, I don't say that arrogantly or like, yeah, everybody should follow our lead. What I'm saying is the Holy Spirit's working through us and we should all follow his lead and other churches are noticing and bringing attention to it. And I feel like because of God's faithfulness in our church and how we've responded to it, respond to this, that more people are going to be a part of this and that this crisis will end sooner rather than later. That's our hope. But I, I'm just reminded of God's faithfulness in that effort. And then um, I'm reminded of his faithfulness, the fact that we're, we're multiplying what we're doing here. So Joel and Megan Pazmino, they're working in the nursery today. <laughs> uh, there are church planters that are going to be planting a church in Columbia Heights, D.C., because uh, we're a church planting church. We give 10% away of our income every month to church planning. They're starting a church in 2017. And then Andy and Janet McNeely are starting a church in Baltimore in 2018. And God provides not only amazing church planting couples, uh, but the finances and the resources to supply them, to serve them, to send them, and to expand and, and share the love and the truth of Christ. And God's faithfulness works through these different 
efforts that we get to be a part of in the Northeast, specifically in the DMV in Baltimore. I could go on. I, I, I'm, I could share lots of stories. Um, but those are just a few snippets of how we've seen God's faithfulness working in Restore Church over the last four years. And I'm hoping, <clears throat> we did this at our missional community the other night, I'm hoping I'll take a minute today, now or you know, maybe when we sing here in a second, or a quiet spot today, if you're like me and you're, you prefer like, to be alone in these moments, find a spot today to think about God's faithfulness in your life. All right, it, it's an individual thing and it's a communal thing. God's faithfulness, but think about where he's met you, and if, if you're in one of those moments where you're wondering if he's going to meet you, if something's going to get better, recall how he's done it in the past, and remember that he is faithful, and he will show up, he will meet you there, he will be on the other side of that darkness that you're experiencing, the light will come, so keep that in mind, let's pray together, and then we're going to celebrate a couple more times through some songs.